Hey, you want to progress and transform the entirety of your life? Then you got to question your story every chance you get because the evidence that backs it and the experience that says it's true is often a lie. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Yellow Chair Podcast with X, where we deep dive into the stories that drive our lives. Hey, welcome back to Yellow Chair. Let's get story five. We're talking about the idea of transforming and progressing our lives to the next level and how that requires us to question our story. Because so many of us, myself included, we become entrapped and ensnared in the old story because the evidence is compelling and our experience is overwhelming. And because of that, we just accept the story as is. But that's what keeps us stuck at this level. Because the next level requires a whole new story, a whole new way of relating to reality. But again, the evidence, the things that we are aware of and our core experience, which is compelling, traps us at our current level. And here's why. It's not anything to do with being lazy or uh, having a wrong state of mind or anything of that nature. It's actually we're built this way because the way in which we engage with our world is, is through two things, two primary things. The first are our senses, right? We are able to touch, uh, feel, taste, hear, smell, all of that, right? Those are our senses. That's how we engage with the world. That's how we know something is happening, our senses. But as an actual tool or tool set, it's not all that reliable, right? We get all types of false positives. One person believes this is hot and another person believes that is hot. One person says this is ugly. Another person says that's beautiful. These are all subjective realities based upon how we sense our world. And therefore, they're not reliable tools. And we don't govern our life, especially as it relates to the most important things through these senses. We want more accurate measurement tools. We don't say, I think I was going about 50 miles an hour. No, we have a speedometer that tells us exactly how fast we're going, right? We, we say, I, I think the oven is at, at 350 degrees. No, we have a thermometer to tell us how hot it is. In other words, our senses are not accurate. Not only are our senses not accurate, when we do bump up against the data that comes from them, we have to make sense of that data, right? I feel something. I, I heard something. Right. We 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 have to make sense of that data. And how do we do that? Well, we have to interpret that data right through what our memories and our memories are not reliable either. As much as we feel they are, they are not. They are not. In fact, one of the things that blew my mind about 10 years ago when I was researching this and really thinking about memory and all the things that go along with it is the idea that we can't rely upon it. For example, eyewitness testimony is one of the most inaccurate things out there, but we convict people and put their lives on the line based upon eyewitness testimony. I saw him, him right there. He did it. But we now know through psychological studies, looking at the data, that that story isn't completely accurate and or true, despite how overwhelmingly convinced we are that that is the person we saw, because that's not how memory works. It's not like a videotape where you play the tape back and it plays it back frame by frame what it saw. 
there are three kind of geeky things I want to jump into real quick when it comes to memory and why you shouldn't trust it as a complete and accurate representation of reality. Number one, compression, right? We, we bring in through our senses so much data that it would be impossible for us to compute it all, to crunch it all, and to make sense of it. So our brain, this magnificent machine, compresses it, just like a computer does or uh, uh, with a picture. A JPEG is a compressed picture. It's not, it's not a representation of reality. It's a compressed version of reality, meaning that, let's this, this get technical for a second, bear with me. With a JPEG, it may say, okay, this pixel, this dot is black. We measured it, it's black. So chances are the pixel that is next to it will be black as well. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to erase or emit that pixel to save space and just say it's black. And that's how we compress. We, we gain space by guessing and assuming and removing certain parts so that we can save space and better, faster, more quickly access the memory, in this case, picture and show it to you online. You don't have to download a big giant file. You have a JPEG. Now, it's a lower quality picture, but it looks good enough. It passes the sniff test. That's what our brain does. It compresses our reality, removing certain tidbits, highlighting certain others. And that's how we access that memory, right? A compressed version of it. But it even goes further and deeper than that. Because when we put that memory into storage, we're not putting a black pixel there. We're putting a story there. The computer at least has an algorithm that is accurate as to what is black, not us. Uh, -uh. <laughs> We have a story. We're putting or saving data, which is an interpretation of a story as to what we think happened. So it's not a black pixel, a very objective thing. It's a story that we're placing into our memory banks that we can access. A story that, again, is omitting certain parts of the actual data stream. I know that sounds really technical, but at the end of the day, you're storing a version of the story that is accessible or the data, and then you're placing your own story on top of it. And there's one more piece that can blow your mind here. When psychologists are really thinking about this and how we access memories, what they have found is that we aren't accessing the memories as if we're accessing a, a file cabinet and just reading back what we see. How we access the file cabinet changes how we actually remember the files that we're perceiving. In other words, it's more like we're putting together a puzzle each time we access the memory instead of looking at a complete uh, a version of the story. So, for example... That's why lawyers are able to really trip people up and get them to change their story right there on the spot by asking them certain questions. We're framing up how they access the data. A lawyer might say, hey, uh, was he wearing blue or black that day or a cop? He was wearing blue. Definitely. He was wearing blue. Well, the question presupposes that the answer was blue or black, not purple, not yellow, not red. And we've totally transformed and rearranged how we access the story and blah, 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 blah. In other words, the memory is not to be trusted. It's based upon old stories and experiences that are just stand-ins for reality. And if this is the case, when we're evaluating our world and what we believe to be true, shouldn't we be highly skeptical 
around the thoughts, the feelings that come into our purview when we're judging our reality? Shouldn't we be more active in asking the question, is this the truth? And if it is, does it empower me? Because again, the apparatus, our senses and our memories are fallible. They're not horrible. We've survived this long. We've gotten to this place, but they are fallible and not to be trusted as an accurate representation of our reality. And that's why I believe the most successful people in the world are those who have a healthy skepticism around their own thinking, around their own way of interpreting reality. And therefore, they can come to a more objective reasoning and rationale around what's actually going on. And part two to this objective rationale is the idea of of curating a story that is empowering as it relates to what they're trying to create and or do. Meaning they're actively searching for an empowering meaning to the data that they're interpreting. So I may on the ground see failure in front of me. Something didn't work. And based upon past experiences, maybe this caused me pain. But a successful person or those who are going to be most adept at transforming their reality, they're going to look at that data and interpret it from a different perspective. A different perception will come by way of it. Okay, I failed, so I learned. And I learned, so I'm better. And I'm better, so that must mean what? I'm going to actually progress and go forward. I'm going to actually move this ball forward. I'm happy for the experience. In other words, I've interpreted the data in a way that is empowering. And that is the key. We have to be active engagers. Is that a word, engagers? Or actively engage in our story and not be passive, stand by, this is what I see on the screen, let's run that script. Because again, it's based on half-truths. And we need a more accurate representation of reality that we then can interpret and perceive in a way that empowers us to move forward. And that's why I say you got to question your story at every chance you get. Sit down and ask the question, what's actually going on? Is this fact? Is this fiction? Is this feeling? Right? Is this, is this totally made up? If it's not made up in this fact, how can I perceive it? How can I use it? How can I interpret it? Because again, we have the greatest powerful gift ever. We're able to look at not only the data, but how we feel. And then we're able to transform it into something that serves us instead of keeping us stuck. No other creature, no other thing that we know of can do that. It either operates instinctually or has a very simple algorithm of making a decision based upon this and doing this. Not being able to 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 engage that process in a way to make a different decision and to transform one's own thoughts, uh, feelings and actions. We have that power, but we have to use it. Right. So we got to question our story every chance we get, because it allows us to look at it from a lens that, that allows us to then become more empowered in the meaning that we give things. You know, I, I tell people all the time, like I, I live in a fantasy world, right? If I, if I was to always look at the evidence what, that was right here in front of me, all I could do was create more of the same. And if all I could do was rely upon my past experiences, 
then all I can do is what? More of the same. Or I would progress at a snail's pace. But what we're talking about here is leapfrogging into a whole new stratosphere, transformation, metamorphosis. For us to make that leap, we have to almost ignore the evidence and our past experience and start implanting a new story that allows us to perceive things that are not even real yet. And that's when we start to get into kind of the, I won't say the woo-woo, fanciful, spiritual, think it and achieve it space. But we are putting ourselves in a position where we can start to imagine, right, the thoughts and feel the emotions and perceive the things to do, the actions that can create, manifest, bring about that thing that has not been there. Because think about it. I'll leave you with this. Creation happens at a variety of levels. You may be listening to this on your phone. Well, your phone had to be thought about in someone's mind first. They had to think about it. And then there had to be an associated emotion that drove them to a certain level of excitement around figuring out how to bring it about. And that excitement then pushed them to do a certain thing, to arrange technology in a certain way to give you this device. It was created multiple times before it was physically manifested through thoughts, feelings, and then actions. What we think, what we feel, and what we do. So when we remove the evidence of our current senses, really measuring our current environment, because that's all we can touch, feel, taste here is what's in front of us. We have to imagine something different and now interpret that evidence of an imagined space, bring emotion to it, because if there's no emotion, there won't be energy in motion, which then influences what we do and therefore giving us the platform to transform our lives, to do something different. But we won't do nothing different if all we can do is interpret the evidence through our senses, through a lens of experience and memory that's faulty, and believe that that old script, that old story is the absolute complete truth when it's not. It's not. You're a totally different person today than you were yesterday, but the tools in which we have to measure it aren't there. They're not that accurate, but you've grown. Let alone that 24 hours. Let's talk about a week ago, six months ago, six years ago. You are a totally different person. So to judge your reality by your past experiences is at best cup half full. So I say rely upon your previous self, your past self, and stand on its shoulders by saying thank you. I've learned from you, but I got to grow and build something new based upon what you have done. So that's why I'm questioning your story, not to throw it away, but to build upon it, to grow, to become something new, different, which requires again for us to question the old story and to start using our senses in different ways by imagining a future progression where things are better, where we don't have to rely upon the evidence on the ground or past experience, which then gives us a platform for creating something wholly new and different. A new story that ushers us into our very best. 
I'm out. Hey fam, thanks again for joining me in the yellow chair. I want to invite you to go even deeper to take this to the next level by pulling out your phone and texting me at 800-425-2095. That's 800-425-2095. That's my direct number. Type in the word yellow chair. And when you text me, you'll be joining my X Factor weekly insider community where I send out resources to help you to continue to storify your life and to lead your story. So don't miss that opportunity. 800-425-2095. Thanks again for joining me here in the yellow chair. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share these podcasts. We're trying to change 100 million people's lives and you're a part of that. So thank you again and I see you in the next yellow chair. I'm out.